Hey everyone, I know you've heard me speak about microdosing and how much I love it. And I'm talking about microdosing THC. I love it. And that's why I love our sponsor, microdose.com. Microdose gummies are incredible. They deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. And when I mean just the right amount of good, I mean in so many situations, anxiety, sleep, focus, pain, relaxation. There are so many different strains and they're really helpful. And I have recommended microdose.com to so many people. And you know what they say to me? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't be afraid of microdosing. Go to microdose.com and you'll learn all about microdosing THC. These gummies feel amazing. They taste amazing. I have used them to get me into the zone I need to write. I've used them at night after a stressful day or a stressful show to relax. I have also said to family members, please take a gummy right now. And they've said, oh, good idea. So check it out. Check it out because they're fantastic. And I'm not like a big weed person. I mean, I used to be. And I do enjoy, I do enjoy weed every now and then, but I love, I love these gummies and I take them with me everywhere. So check it out. Don't be afraid. They're all natural. They're fantastic. And you deserve it. So what are you going to do? You're going to do something that is fantastic. You're going to get 30% off your first order. 30% off. That's a lot. Plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Use promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. It's available nationwide. They deliver it to your door. That is microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold for 30% off and free shipping. Do it. Go to microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold. You deserve it. You deserve it. And you know what else? You're welcome. Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. Let's bring her out. The star attraction, the one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Ms. Judy Gold. Hey, everyone. It's a new episode of Kill Me Now. Yeah. Okay, I had my riddle in, so I'm a little hyper right now. I just want to say I'm recording live in Provincetown in my kitchen, and I have been dying to have this person on the podcast. I can't even tell you. I'm, I, I must have asked you like a million times. I'm I think like, so. Yeah. yeah. It is. I am a like a psycho fan. He is so talented. He like unbelievably talented. Sit down. We're going to be doing a show together in Boston in October. And I, I it's like a dream come true. I mean, like I, the, from the first time I saw him, I was like, oh my God, this guy is so fucking talented. Um, but I didn't see him as a guy. <laughs> Does that give you a hint, ladies and gentlemen? Ladies and gentlemen, this week's guest on Kill Me Now, the incredible Jeff Roberson, also known as... Varla Jean Merman. Yay, thank Wait. you, Judy. Wait, it's Jeff. 
Roberson Low now. Yes, J Lo. Oh, it's J Lo <laughs> because uh, L O E. Jeff I got, got married. married. <laughs> Jeff got married. How is married life, Jeff? I really like it. I mean, you know, I, it could have gone either way. You know what right. I mean? So it's always so nice when you don't feel trapped. Right. Because <laughs> I was like really worried. All of my friends who were yeah. like, I fucking hate it here. Yeah. I swear to God, the minute I have enough money, I'm out of this relationship. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so it's been good. And how long? Wait. You've been A married? year next week. Oh, are you doing something special for the. Oh, we, are we going to Newport, Rhode Island? <laughs> that is so white. I know. Whose idea was that? That was his. He's very but white. You, there's no gays there, are I there? I don't even know. I've never been. The first synagogue in the United <laughs> States, Newport, Rhode Island. Oh, it's really? beautiful. It's beautiful. Okay. So is it Newport or Providence? Newport. No, no it's Newport. Yeah. Okay. So now Varla's never heard the podcast. Not He's not as big a fan as I am. <laughs> Of me as I am of his, but he did. He I does, don't even know what a podcast is. Uh, it's a, it's like we couldn't no, get don't. a radio show. <laughs> we talk a lot about growing up because you know I like to know what makes the person tick, and you know I've done a lot of research on you as I do with all my guests. But you're very. It's very difficult to find out stuff from your. I think because you're a character. Oh yeah, that it's no one hard. knows anything. Right, and it's like you're such an interesting person. And very handsome, by the way. <laughs> Do, and all right, I just want to say that Henry and Ben, um, when they met, because we used to work at the post office cabaret right. together. Many years ago. And you used to get dressed during my show behind the Right, curtain. right. I listen to your show every single night. Uh, I know, I'm sorry. I know your material. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. And Judith's Henry, roommate had a baby. Judith's roommate had a baby <laughs> and Judith adopted it. Uh, Judith's roommate was walking down the street. Uh, there was a hypodermic needle flying around. It happened to have sperm in it. It landed in her vagina. And uh, okay, so that was my mother. Um, but Henry used to watch you put on your right. boobs yes. and stuff. Which, you know, I love that my kids are not any phobic of any LGBTQIA plus, 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 but you have the luxury of being anonymous. Oh yeah. No one knows who I am, but and, you know, because used to be all of us drags, we wouldn't want people to know, but now the, the culture has changed where everybody wants to know everybody. Everybody needs to know what you look like out right. of drag. I mean, because of RuPaul's drag race, people know exactly what they look like out of drag and in drag, but no one ever recognizes me because I've right. never been on TV really out of drag, except on project runway for a, for a few minutes right. or somebody, you know, they can figure that out, but that was a long time ago. Right. But it's just, it's, have you ever like been out of drag and heard someone talking about your show? Oh yeah. Really? I've actually slept with people who said they were going to see Varla that night or the right. next night, you know, and never, did you ever tell them? Uh, it depended back then. I was really private about right. it. I didn't want anybody to know. So right. I would definitely not tell people, oh, you know, my and just God. listen to what they had to say. But, um, and it never was a disaster. Did anyone figure it out? Like, uh, well, I did have someone say one time who was looking at my abs because back then I used to wear bare midriffs on right. drag. He goes, You have abs just like Varla Jean Merman. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, all right. So you, you were born in Arkansas, actually, in- Houston. Okay, fuck Mark Cortali yeah, for my, telling I, me I, you I, were born in Arkansas. But my and family then, is from Arkansas, so my dad was there. My dad was in the army and, right. uh, and it became an FBI agent. But we were in Houston, yes. I, and we were only there for like a month. So okay, I'm not really and from then Houston. 
You grew up in Macadosis, North New Orleans. Natchitoches, it's Natchitoches. Where I, Natchitoches, Louisiana is where I went to school, but I grew up all over Louisiana. Okay, I, I went fucking to a boarding hate school. him. Natchitoches, <laughs> I know I have that. He's such a. <laughs> he doesn't even know. I know. And you are you the youngest of three? No, I'm the middle. You're the. He told me you were the youngest. Yeah, I have an older brother who's very, very religious, and we right. haven't talked since I was 14. Wow. You know, I mean, we've seen each other every now and then. But and, and what's that like? You know, I don't really care. I don't need his approval. Right, right, right. But it took a long time to get to that point. Right, of course. Yeah, because now I just don't even worry about it, which is terrible because I could see a stranger on the street and not even know it's my brother. I don't really know what he looks like anymore, right, you right. know? Uh, and then he got this big beard and looked like Duck Dynasty. And, right. You know, so, but, you know, I, he may be a great person and just very religious. My younger brother is one of the most wonderful people on the planet. Oh, see, you're so lucky. Yes. You only need one. And my, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but my younger brother uh, has two kids and they're like the dream kids. Right. I mean, he's such a great father. He's an artist as well. He, oh, that's amazing. You know, and, and he's just the greatest guy ever and never was weird about it because he's the younger generation. Right. See, I think my generation and the one right above us, you know, we were weird. And so now you well, have this younger generation. Well, because it was so like, you know, like I try to explain this to the young gays like you know it you could it was like oh my god if I ever tell anyone this my life is over right you know you really thought oh my god like I, I it's this is the worst and being in the closet like constantly having that fucking lump in your throat right. like feeling like a fraud constantly and-, and I went to a boarding school so I was able to kind of come out early uh, I went to the state funded school in Louisiana where you tested it to get in and right. you'd go to a college and take college classes. And, and um, I knew I had to get out of my house because right. my mother was really religious right? and, you know, um, just really confused by me. And I right. was really fat and I embarrassed her and. Oh, fuck oh, that. <laughs> so wait, so you, and you grew up in Malala at, your father was an FBI agent, yes. which is, did you know he was an FBI agent? Oh, yeah, agent? yeah, yeah. We knew, but we weren't allowed to tell anybody. You know, we could just say he worked for the government. And we all had, you know, I remember too, I mean, it's funny because my big memory about my dad, because he died when I was 18, but I remember him taking his gun out and putting mm-hmm. it on top of the refrigerator. Now, it, none of us could reach it or anything, right. but we were taught to go, we were really taught how dangerous guns right. were and how, you know, don't go anywhere near it. I remember being so scared of that. Gun. Right. And so I well, just, well, that would be good parenting. Yes. I, think. I just think it's so good. I just, um, anyway, but that's kind of my, it's odd that I have that memory of my father having a gun on him all the time. Cause right. he did. He always had a gun on him. Were you nervous? Like when he went it to work? It made me nervous, the gun. I mean, I just not, not him going to work. I right. didn't understand that that was nerve, you know, but, um, but he, uh, he, uh, he had leukemia and died. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was 18. 18 well, sucks. Yeah. So it was just weird in my, you know, um, my mother, you know, oddly, my mother has never asked me what I've done for a living. Okay. You're fucking lying. No, I'm not. My mother has never said, what do you do for a living? Do you speak to her often? <laughs> yes, not often, but a few times a year, but we, you know, we're very not friendly Jewish. now. Right. I did finally tell her, I, you know, I told her I, I got married, you know, which was pretty shocking for her. Although well, we, plus she, and, and of course she didn't say, I didn't get an invitation. Yeah, no, yeah. no. You know, it's funny because my mother, even if she knows I'm in theater, she's never asked to come see something. Or, that and, is horrible. Well, it's just, I think 
her generation. I think she's scared of what it is. I don't know. Or maybe she's scared maybe of what other, maybe she's scared of it within herself. I think that's what it is. And even though I was on Broadway. Do you think she's she a didn't I know you were in Chicago. Yeah, but in drag. So you right. know, who, who knows? fucking cares? <laughs> I know, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I know. But so, all right. So you, you're, you have an older brother. Do you have your own room growing up? Oh yeah, okay. always. Okay, yeah. So you—that's good because you yes. got to have your own little universe. Oh, yeah. And then, um, in you went to like grammar school. You just right. went away to high school, right? Right. We lived in Colorado for a brief period, and then we moved back to uh, to Louisiana, and it was you know tough. I mean, because in Colorado the kids were kids, and in, right. in South Louisiana they were men, like in fourth grade. It right. was a bizarre jolt. And um, but I I was really good in band, and I played musical instruments. But I Not same. I knew I had to get out of the house, so I tested and got in that school, and that's when my sort of life began. I mean, because I was, so you were a freshman. Yes, and I, well, I was in high school, so it was um, it was a sophomore. Okay, and I just I went there for chemistry. But some that woman heard me talking un- and I tested in there for chemistry, but a woman heard me talking chemistry. in the hall, <laughs> in the hall. And she was a choir teacher and she was like, you have a high voice. Or you're a tenor. And I'd never sung before. And so I said, you know, I'll do whatever. And so that's how I got into choir. So were you teased before? Like what, how was school? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What they, cause yeah. You know, never to the point really being about being gay. I was just so awkward and weird. And I had this terrible problem that my nose would just bleed uncontrollably. Why? Constantly. I don't know. But I had, it, I had to have my blood vessels cauterized at some point. It was just some kind of thing. And I would just remember I'd be so embarrassed. <laughs> I'd be so embarrassed when I'd be on the playground with a jacket on because right. I was fat and we're in South Louisiana. It was like a hundred degrees uh-huh. and I would just be bleeding into my jacket. Oh, that's I was awful. So embarrassed. <laughs> so, I was so that embarrassed. That is so terrible. Just sitting on the playground was, with a bleeding was into my jacket. Was your older brother the religious freak? Was he popular? Yeah, he was pretty popular. Was he like football? And he was football. And he was a little guy, but right. he, um, you know, he definitely, I think, was embarrassed of me too. I mean, just you know, I was kind of Odd. a weirdo in high in high school. And but and were you comfortable within your own skin? Like when you got to your room, say, were you like, you know, okay, I can be who I, I or did you feel like, oh my god, I was. This is uh, never going to end. This is never going to end. Yeah. I also was very fat, right. and so I just like how fat? Like who? Name uh, one. Name a person. Oh, Chris Christie fat? Yeah. <laughs> At one point, yes. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Even when I moved to New York City, I weighed, you know, about 300 pounds. No way. Yeah, yeah. And when I was 29, with the first season I came to Provincetown, I had lost all that weight. But the videos in my show were of me fat. So people would say after the show, who's the fat lady in the video? Wow. But yeah, I lost the weight. And, and, um, and you think, did your father ever say anything to you about your weight? Oh, yeah. The, I, it was a big deal. Like, they told me if I lost 20 pounds, they would buy me a ColecoVision. So I remember just running up and down the street, oh, like an Atari, running up and down the street, begging to lose it. But I couldn't lose it. I just couldn't lose the weight. I just, you know, I had an eating problem. I just, you know, I'm sure it was because I had all this internal hatred. Term, and of course. Yeah, Shame. So just, yes. Guilt. Constantly. Did they take you to church every day? Every oh, week? yes. Every week. But I would even break into people's homes in the neighborhood and no, steal cookies. What? And Wait, steal cookies. No, no, this is the fucking best story ever. Wait, you would. I would go into other people's homes in the neighborhood, you know, like where my friends were and right. knock on the door and I knew they went home and I'd go in and take cookies out of their No their fucking house. way. Yes. And that I, is in their crazy. freezer. Well, because my mother was 
so intent on I mean, being on diets, she would take have a, a, um, a log of how many little Debbie cakes there were and she'd no. write them down. And then we even had a chain around our freezer with a padlock on no it. No fucking yes. And everybody way. knew the combination but me. No yes. fucking what? But This is mental torture. <laughs> but my mother was doing terrariums at the time, you know, in the bottles with the- Yes, yes. So she'd have two forks on a dowel rod to like put the plants in. So I could open the freezer door about an inch and I'd use the, uh, the, the, the terrarium tools to like shimmy out a Salisbury steak TV dinner and then you're, I'd eat it frozen. You're fucking kidding no, me. No, I just eat it frozen. That's torture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then my brothers, like, if I did- would you ever my, do that to a kid? No, no, but okay. she did, did it wrong. And she would take me to these um, meetings called TOPS, Take Off Pound Sensibly, which is kind of like a Weight Watchers thing. <laughs> I went to Weight Watchers oh, yeah. too. With, and yeah. I, but this is bizarre because you'd come in and you'd weigh, and if you lost weight, they'd ring a bell. If you didn't, they'd boo you and honk a horn. You're fucking kidding honk, me. No, no. And I even remember- Are the, they still around? Uh I don't know if they're still around. And we would sing parodies of songs like, oh and then it was a booklet, please obesity, let me go. <laughs> yeah. You're fucking kidding. No, me. not. And even I remember the, the pledge. I'm an intelligent person. I will control my emotions and not let my emotions control me. Every time I am tempted to use food to satisfy my desires or build up my injured ego, I will remember, even though I overeat in private, my excess poundage is there for all the world to <gasps> see what a fool I've been. <laughs> that is sick. That is fucking yeah. sick. And I remember it. I remember that, you know. You, it, you can never forget that. No. My parents, my mother sent me to a hypnotist to lose weight. Uh-huh. Uh, and I don't even think I was that fat. Yeah. Like I was six feet at 13, but I was overweight. And my family was, they were skinny, but I was overweight. And I, obviously I knew I was a les. I was taller than everyone. My parents were like really old. They were much older than, mm-hmm. and my mother took me to a hypnotist and the hypno- he would hypnotize me. And then I had to, before I ate anything, he, I had, I remember the index card. I would have to say 10 times before I ate anything, I will eat properly and sparingly at every meal. I will eat properly oh and sparingly at every meal. I And you just don't. Isn't get, wild? And it's like, you want to scream out. Yeah, I'm yeah. gay. I don't fit yes, in. I want to do, problem. I don't want to do, I don't want to be in a fucking yeah. business. I want to, you know, right. I'm an, and. Oh well, God. you know, oddly also when we would have these weigh-ins, I was so terrified of these housewives. Of course. I was the only little boy there. And I would like not drink water for three days beforehand, starving myself just to weigh less. But it was funny because I actually lost the weight. People, you know, I never, it wasn't until I actually quit my job and started doing Varla full time that I just, the weight came off. Now I worked really hard. Yes. And I was happy and I was doing something I loved and it just came off. I mean, and then I got into sports later and and did all of that. But even as a child, I think I would have been good at sports, but I was just so afraid, you know, knowing I was different that. And were you like, what, at what age did you get fat? Did you start having a weight problem? Oh, like uh, five, six. Okay. Early, 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 early. Yeah. And your brother's completely normal weights. Uh, yeah, completely normal. Oh, now they're so heavy. hard being a kid. I know. <laughs> now they probably look old and fat. Okay. But you don't want to know a funny story because yeah. I, I used to live right over here where you, where you live. And one night we were out by a Gale Force Varieties, you know. Right. And so one night, this is a problem. Yeah. Hilarious story. I, I think who was I dating at the time? I think, it could have been Mark, but but mm-hmm. I was. Um, somebody had made me. My friend in town had made a 
some pot brownies and I don't even like pot brownies, but I had one and then we're so far out, there was nothing else to eat. And so I had another, No. and I had another, and I had another, and I got so stoned that I broke into my neighbor's no. <laughs> Alan Gallant. Do you remember Alan Gallant? Oh yeah. And took ice How cream. How was he? I don't know. Okay. I took ice cream out of his freezer. <gasps> Alan Gallant, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I took ice cream out of his freezer and ate it, but I was so stoned, but I needed something to eat. So then the next morning I'm like, oh my God, how could I, 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 I mean, I knew Alan, he was a right. friend, but still you're not supposed to go into somebody's house. Right. He was just like me as a kid. So then the next day I was like, I gotta replace this ice cream. I gotta right. replace this ice cream. So then I, I went to the stop and shop and I got some ice cream. I came back, I think it was A&P at the time. I came back and I was ready and I saw Alan leave the house. And so I break back into his home right. and his roommate comes in and <gasps> sees me putting, putting ice cream. Ice cream. In the freezer. freezer. (laughs) And did you tell him why? No. I just said, I wanted to leave Alan a surprise. Oh my God. I never told him. Did anyone ever catch you when you were a kid going into their- Oh yeah, because what happened too, I was so starved for food that I would- Go to the um, go to the bathroom, and I would because my mother would give you know my brother a little uh, oatmeal pie and, and, and a ho ho, but I would get an apple. So I would go to the bathroom in uh, elementary school, and I would take everybody's little Debbie cakes out of their oh. lunches, and I would go to the bathroom and eat them all. And then the kids would come out to go to lunch, and they'd look in their lunches and their 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 Debbie, yeah, yeah, and they'd start crying. <laughs> And then did they- Finally, I got caught one time by the social worker. Thank God. Oh, please. The teacher would have- Yeah, yeah. So the social worker caught me like, like, this boy has a problem. Jeffrey, I need, yeah. Oh, that's good. And then they made me see a psychiatrist after that. And um, I remember, it was so weird. The psychiatrist would take me to Denny's (laughs) (laughs) and he'd say, what do you want to drink? I'd say, I'm going to have a suicide. I'm like, what? And he, that's why I learned where you put a little bit of each Coke, each, you know, Sprite Coke into, but I can't figure this out to, for the life of me. Why a therapist was trying to have me order a suicide. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe to desensitize me to the word since I was so young or, oh, or I don't know. That is, that's mental. It's weird. I'm sorry yeah. that that it's, is mental. Yeah. Hey everyone, did you know that Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the United States with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the United States? And I'm one of them. You're listening to one of them. Fast Growing Trees has everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and your space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever, forever. I just want you to know that I just got off a plane and I walked in my apartment. What was the first thing I did is I came in and said hi to Avi, my fig tree. I'm telling you, and I have Yael, which is another plant, but Fast Growing Trees has changed my atmosphere here in my apartment. You don't need a lot of space, but they do have, you know, they have stuff for outdoor spaces. But I live in an apartment, and I'm telling you, Avi and Yael, yes, they're both Jewish names, Hebrew, 
the space looks so much better. And I just had a conversation with Avi. Like, I was like, I missed you. I love having living things here. It's very, very, I don't know, it's made this more of a home. It's the best. And Elisa has some too. And she loves them. And she talks to them too. But she got that from me. Anyway, check out Fast Growing Trees. You need to be around plant life. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code Judy Gold, J U D Y G O L D, at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code Judy Gold at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code Judy Gold. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. You're welcome. When did you start, you know, playing musical instruments? And uh, in uh, let's see, I I I played the clarinet okay. first, like sixth grade, yeah, right. and I was so good at the clarinet that um that they asked if I would play the oboe the next year. I love the oboe. Well, I was so great at the clarinet. And then the oboe, the oboe double read. It was so hard to play. And yeah. I remember just crying and I'd get up in the middle of the night and just hit what note. And go right. back to bed crying because I couldn't figure it out. And it drove me well, out of my mind. Well, it's hard if you play the clarinet because you're just, a single yes, read and then yes. it's a double read. Well, it was just the fingering was different. Oh, right. and I just... And I, I have this obsessive quality to, me, to this day. I have to try to figure it out. I have very little patience. I just want to figure it out. And um, which has helped me in a lot of ways it's too. It's great but, in showbiz. Yeah. So I would, I was in band and all of that. Same. And then, then I got to use the car, but my mother was so controlling. She'd know exactly how many miles it took to get to <sighs> band. But I was so good. I could drive the Chevy Chevette. And at the same time, I could unscrew the entire dashboard and I'd put like this wooden staple into the odometer. So, that it, so would, it wouldn't move? Wouldn't click. And then I'd go hang out with a couple guys that were gay that were in my high school. So, oh, but it wouldn't move. Um, when did you realize? But then all the numbers on the odometer were all chipped off. <laughs> did she just, say anything? No. <laughs> when did you realize, what age did you say? Because, uh, you know, I, we talk about this a lot yeah. on podcasts. I, I knew something was different. I was yeah. like, something's different. And then you realize, yeah. oh, I'm a lesbian. Well, I'm yeah, gay, yeah. whatever. Oh, when I you knew turn, really like, young. Yeah, I knew I like knew three like, or four. Yes, like five. I remember watching the Carol Burnett show and like Lyle Wagner would come on and he'd come on with just the underwear and the, uh, like the boxer shorts and the dark socks and it would drive me out of my no mind. No way. Yes. Lyle Wagner? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I had, what's uh, I Dream of Janie. What yeah. was her? Oh, oh, um, uh, Barbara Eden. Uh, yeah, Barbara Eden. I was like, oh my God. Oh God, oh see, I God. loved her too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so- um, but I knew early. I mean, I just knew. I mean, anything locker rooms drove me out of my mind. My I dad can't would play imagine basketball. Yeah, your dad played basketball. Played basketball with a bunch of guys, cops, and so it was just. Oh like, my god, that must have been drove so me. hard. I would ask, please, can I go? They're like, you don't even like sports, <laughs> <laughs> but I like cocks. Yeah. Uh, so you had. When do you think they suspected? Um, I heard from someone that you had a pet rabbit. Oh, yes. And you named the yeah, rabbit yes. Natasha? <laughs> yeah, my brother named his Hershey. My other brother named his like Bill. And then mine was Natasha. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you? Uh, like third grade. Wow, eight. Yeah, yeah. And so um, uh, 
they knew right away. I mean, they just knew. My mother knew. It, it just drove her crazy. But we would go to church all the time. And so I would kind of, you know, I think that's what people do when they're, you, know, you kind of throw yourself into religion. And so I would memorize. Well, it. it's, yeah, because it's a way of not having to think about it. Yes. And it's like, wait, it, it's, it's really stops all sort of creative thought. It's right. like, wait, this happened. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to think about this? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, this, the, this, the Bible says this, so that's what I'm going to think instead right. of what you really do fucking yes. think. Yes. It's annoying. So you go to uh, the Louisiana school for the gifted. Yes. Uh, and arts. And were you smarter than your siblings? I yes. guess so. Okay. <laughs> and so you get in and you're really good at math and science. Yes. But I get into, I start hanging out with the actors and the, and I just started to want to do that in the singing. So I just, you know, I did end up getting a full vocal scholarship to, to LSU, which is, you know, um, in Louisiana state. And, um, but I just started getting involved with all the actors and I just liked those people. Well, you finally found... Yes. And the Are you still in touch with that, any of them? I am. Yeah, yeah. We did a reunion show and I came as Varla and did, uh, and did, you know, we did a whole th- section. Are any of them still performing? Oh yeah. They, uh, they're, all of them are teachers. I think they're all teachers. Right. Yeah, that's Which I'm not doing. <laughs> I, I, I do teach one yeah. class. <gasps> okay. So you go to boarding school you have a roommate. Uh, I had a roommate. Yes. And, uh, he was very gay and very talented, a, a singer and an artist, and just much more talented than I was. He just knew more, you know, because I just started. So Well, because you're living yeah. in this, this, yeah. you know. And his parents were very encouraging, and he was just really, his name was Damien Domingue, and he was just so talented. Well, I, see what happens when you have a decent parent? And, yeah. So when did you first have your first homo experience? Um. I remember I snuck into a gay bar. How old? In my Chevy Chevette. I was probably 15. And I met a big muscular guy there. We fooled around in the car outside, but it was just such a disaster. And that was the first time? That was the first time. But did you, in your body, feel like, oh my God, this is what I am meant to... Well, not so much that time, but then I had a girlfriend at the same time. And her brother was... What was her name? um, Eva Lloyd Jones, I think. Oh God, yeah. the, the South is well, so they funny. Were, uh, they were Christian scientists. Uh-huh. So they uh, never went to the doctor. Yes, never went to the doctor. She wasn't allowed to take Advil or anything. But she had this hot brother who was adopted. And in my mind, they were moving. They were moving out of town. And I was like, you know, I have something to give you before you leave. I have some just titillating myself. And one day I said it and he grabbed me by the hand, looked me in the eyes and goes, well, then come over and give it to me this afternoon. No way! Yes. And that was your first like hot fucking. Yes. And he's, you know, this guy's straight. And uh, now I hear. Okay. But anyway, what so, you, like but I had never done what I was giving right, him. Right, right, <laughs> And so I kept thinking he was finished and he was like, no, that's just your slobber. Oh <laughs> my God. But, do, but it was you- tittling. I think about that now because he was a beautiful, you know, he was just, you know, an athlete and all that. I was this big dumpy kid, but it was so funny that he was so forward and younger than me and knew exactly what I was talking do about. Do you think I, that makes me sad that he's obviously gay because you don't do Or that. it could just be a kid once, you know, is young and just, you know, is just like Randy, you know what I mean? So I, I don't know. Who knows? Okay. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> what what kid is like I, well, look i have kids yeah not once have they and th- during that period of time been like 
you know, I'm going to, and they're straight. They're straight kids, unfortunately. But if (laughs) not once were they curious Um, or bi-curious, anything like that, there was no interest. So the fact that he picked up on your- Right, means something, yes. Yes. And then they go live these, it's like that movie with, what's his name? The, you know, with the peach, where he fucks the peach. Oh, yeah. Uh, 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 Timothy Shamala. What was that movie? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, the, he, yeah. you know, he has that affair with yeah. the. And then he goes out and lives his, you know, white, privileged, right. straight, knowing that he's gay. Well, there's a lot of that. In fact, my friend moved to the suburbs because he could get a lot more. He likes straight men and he could get a lot more straight men in the suburbs because guys in the city are gay. But right. He could get straight guys in quotations and that's why he totally bought a house in the suburbs and he's gay and, yeah, out? and he's gay and he's out but he likes to have he likes straight guys to so they with. and he finds enough yeah, of them a lot because in the city you don't what find do you those. think the percentage is oh god i don't know but i've known many in the south it was kind of the last to let go so people there were a lot of married guys i know several married guys who you know one of my best friends it didn't come out till he was 50 because he was married yeah what about elizabeth smart's father what what i don't know he just came out and he's leaving the mormon church yes oh my god elizabeth smart's father the one you know he got she got uh kidnapped yeah oh my god uh yeah isn't that interesting it is okay so you get into lsu yes now were there any jews in lsu oh yes were there any jews in your boarding school uh, oh yeah, because there was New Orleans. Uh, you know, there's rich New Orleans kids, and, and okay, we're not all rich. No, Marla. I know. <laughs> but New Orleans has a very kind of, um, you know, a, yes. Uh, you know, we go to cities. Yes, and there are a doctors. lot of very well-to-do yes. Jewish families, and right. you know, a lot of um, uh, there's just there's a lot of Jewish people in New Orleans. Yeah. I did a, a Jewish gig there mm-hmm. for the Jewish Federation. Oh, is that juice? Huh? <laughs> Apple juice. Oh, yeah. Apple juice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That is so old. Yeah, yeah. That's when I did I a know college. all your material. I, I could have done it. But that's my old shit. Yeah, yeah. But I did do a college once, and I- and it was in the middle of nowhere. And I asked if there were any Jews there because I had all this material. Yeah. And it was when I, the beginning. So I was like, I didn't have a lot of material. Yeah. So I said, are there any Jews here? And she said, Jews? Yeah. Well, we have apple juice, garfish juice. All right. So, <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to fucking bomb. Okay. So you, you leave LSU with a degree in voice and graphic. Yes. In advertising um, and in voice, which sounds crazy, but I got a degree in both. And, and uh, were you like a great, student i was pretty good i mean i didn't have the um i didn't i was a full-time voice major and then i just did not have the dedication it wasn't what i wanted to do that's you know i i hate to talk about myself but (laughs) i was a music major and i did not want to sit in a practice room for six hours a day no i didn't have the dedication and also there was a lot of stuff i feel like i didn't really need to learn and i knew that i wasn't right for an operatic tenor i just had a very light voice and it wasn't gonna work out so i just uh i i got more into advertising and then that's how i came did to you New York. like did you like advertising and i did i love graphic design but this is do you right do all when your computers, own posters and everything. I used to. I don't anymore because okay. you know people. Yeah, have but you better. must be the worst <laughs> person to make a poster for. <laughs> well, I actually work with somebody who's so great. Right. This guy Rex Bonamelli, who's unbelievable. I never have to say a word. I just he's just. I've never had. Is to, he really expensive? Um, uh, that would be no, yes. not not crazy. 
Okay, but he's, yes. he does it for love. I mean, and he's actually my cost, my first costume in New York. They, they're partners. And let me tell you, he is so talented. And, and the Your guy posters made, are always perfect. He's great. All right. So you get a job in New York at Ogilvy and Mother. Yes. It's me there, but yeah. people say Mother <laughs> if they're fucking assholes. And we're, so you moved to New York. I moved to New York and I went to a headhunter and I had this great book because I had worked in New Orleans at this great little agency. And at the time, um, the the art directors didn't know how to use computers, but we were getting out of school and knew how to use them. So it was at that time that everything was switching over to computer. And I worked with this great art director, this woman, and she was unbelievable and beautiful, long blonde hair, just a sexy cosmopolitan This is woman in Louisiana? In Louisiana. And so I would have to transfer her designs to the computer and, you know, take liberties and, and cause you know, as you draw something, it's not how it is when you put it on a computer and um, got a great book. Uh, you know, as I was a junior art director and went to New York City and I went to an art uh, headhunter and they were like, oh, we can get you a job at Ogilvy and Mather right away. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy's blowing smoke in my ass. There's no way. So then I went to another headhunter and she's like, we can get you a job at Ogilvy and Mather right away. And I got the job. But then that first headhunter called me and found me and I had never experienced, he was so mad at me. I don't blame him. Yeah, but I didn't see, I just didn't know. I didn't believe him, you know, that I could get a job. Did you tell him that? Yeah. And does he still hate you? He didn't care, yeah. I don't even know who it is. But I got a job (laughs) there and and I worked there for years. And in fact, uh, I worked there first and then I went to um, Foot Cone and Belding and I worked next to- Jim Colucci, you know no, who that is? Yes, I love Jim Colucci. He who's runs uh, Birdland. Yes. So, no, oh, Jim, no, no. Jim, Jim Colucci, Frank DeCaro. Frank- yeah. <laughs> Close. Jim Colucci, uh, and he wrote that book about um, the Golden, the Golden Girls, Girls. Yeah. Which I'm in, which is so weird that we would be next to each other. But I was performing. I moved to New York City really to do drag because my friend who I went to Louisiana school wait, with. Wait, wait, I just want to make sure this yeah, is correct. Yeah. Timo, Timo. Timo, yes. I had done these videos in New Orleans and I didn't really do drag. I would just, we, I'd love John Waters and people had introduced me to John Waters. Um, and we would watch these John Waters films and then we started making little videos that were kind of- And this was when the video cameras were huge. Giant, like and, putting, you know, a television on your, like a yeah. real tele- like. So we would make these videos of me being chased by a plastic rat, just screaming, <laughs> just for like 30 minutes or and, drinking and a gallon of milk. And you're overweight in this. Yes, very overweight. And are drinking a gallon of milk laughing and we just film- he, people would know we were filming and I'd go to the mall just sitting there on a bench drinking a gallon of milk with it spilling all over me and he would film from far away and then, you know, people would laugh at all the reactions and then we'd give those to the video bars because back then there weren't enough videos for them to play constantly. You know, they'd play like, remember those graphics? Oh yeah, and the VC, they had VCRs. Yes, yeah. so they would play these videos and that's how I got to be known in New Orleans but my, I knew I wanted to do drag. I, I knew it. I, I, would, I would read Paper Magazine and Lip Sync and Lady Bunny. All these people were in there. I knew it. Charles Bush. I knew I wanted to do drag. But my friend from Louisiana <laughs> School Bush, yeah, <laughs> moved to New York first. And he's like, oh, my God, you have got to move here. I just went to the show last night where this drag queen did a monologue about going to Tower Records with Ava Marton singing the Liebestow, Wagner's Liebestow. Now, it sounds crazy, but that was Miss Coco, Coco Peru. Peru. Yes. And I couldn't believe it. So I was like, wait, you know, in New Orleans, people are lip syncing to, to Melissa Manchester. Right. <laughs> Don't cry out loud. Yeah. Or, um, or uh, what's Diana Ross or Jennifer Diana Holliday. Ross. Yeah. So I couldn't believe it. So I moved to New York 
just because he told me that. Because I knew that the drag I wanted to do was not the lip syncing. I knew it wasn't the John Waters thing, which I had sort of started to do more right. shock value. But I just like, what is going on because in New York? Because it's like a real person. Yeah, this is like, yeah. I couldn't believe it. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You're working at this graphic. Right. So and like are, do you have your own apartment? I have my own apartment because in the quarter. Because you cannot live. No, no, no. I, I live my own apartment when in the you, quarter. And your father died when you were 18. How did your yes. father die? He had leukemia. Oh, that's right. We already discussed yes, that. So, Sorry. Yeah, no. And so I and lived in the quarter in New mother. Orleans. So you, yes. Yeah, by myself. I had, I, you know, I haven't, I've supported myself since high school. So every dime I've made, I haven't been helped, you know, and I'm proud Good of for that. for you. <laughs> okay. But, so I moved to New York City strictly to steam Miss Coco and to be around that kind of drag because I thought, who's, I'm, I, mean, I was an opera fan and I could have never gone into New Orleans bar and done a- Done opera. Yeah. yeah. Or, yeah, or, yeah. so I, I could also sing at the time. I go to New York, I go to the Wonder Bar. Do you remember that bar? Oh, yes. I love the Wonder Bar. I go into the Wonder Bar one of my first nights there, and they're playing my videos from New Orleans. And you had no idea. No idea. Somebody had copied them somewhere and sent them to them. So I told the guy, um, you know, that's me. And he was like, no, that's not. I was like, it's me. And he said, well, you should do a benefit. There's a big benefit at the Pyramid for the March on Washington. Was that 93? That was 94? Somewhere around 93 there. or 94. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I did this I benefit saying, yeah. at the Pyramid Club. And so many people saw me. I got booked all over the city. And so then now I'm doing And you're still working at Ogilvy and Mather. Yes. And do they know? They did not know. Now, slowly they did started to find out. Did you have to, to be out. in the closet at Ogilvy and Mather? Uh, no, I did. I didn't feel I needed to be. It was wow. New York City. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, I, I mean, I just think they assumed. And I- would do drag at night and I'd all day long I would work. And then I met Suzanne Barsht who, no, she's- Oh, that was a che- Jew Switzerland. Czech. Okay, go ahead. And she's a big party promoter in New York City. Okay. Now she's kind of come back now. She was maybe to, married to David Barton, the gym guy. Oh yeah. But she um, wanted me to do all these parties and she'd fly me to Paris because she'd do big <gasps> dance parties, you know, with Joey Arias and all these people. Wait, so, so that- so you're working at an advertising agency yes. and then like on the weekend, on the weekends, flying to Paris or yes. and doing For a Saturday drag night, show. Coming back Sunday. That's all over amazing. the world. Rome and London. And, but listen, what happened one time, she wanted me to do another gig and it was on a Friday night and I, and I couldn't do it. And I was like, I can't, I can't miss any more work. I'm going to get fired. And so her husband David <laughs> came to me and yeah. said, look, I'll fly you on the Concorde. Don't tell Suzanne. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? No. And you flew on the Concorde? Flew on the Concorde. What was that like? It was unbelievable. It's so high in the air. It was crazy. But did when I got there- Did you feel weird? Oh, no. I just, and it was just so fast. I couldn't believe- How long did it take you to get there? It's only a few hours at the time, right? It was four, yeah. instead of four, it was four hours instead of eight or oh I can't remember. God. But I okay. tell one queen that I flew on the Concorde. The entire- 
and they told Suzanne and she was furious with me because she thought that I had somehow railroaded, but he wanted, he loved her so much and he knew that she needed me for that event. So he, he know, was helping her he out. He was helping yeah. her out, but I got in trouble what for is it. That? What is that with the Queens <laughs> being such gossipy? Then to- I don't know. What is that? Yes. It's, it's always been, it's so funny. I, there's something that happened to me in town. <laughs> Someone didn't come to my show and someone very famous in town or not in town, very famous. And so they say they wanted to come to my show. And so I, you know, put a reserve seat while I'm coming down the aisle. and see they're not sitting there. Mm-hmm. So they just didn't show up. And I didn't tell anybody cause you don't want to act like it bothers you, but it does bother you if you walk down. Oh, of course. And I'm having this internal dialogue with myself, you know, thinking, why aren't they here? You know? And so I mentioned it to one person and then the person called me back because <laughs> the famous person who didn't come. I'm not going to say, but it's just so funny. You know, I didn't tell anybody one person. So I know, but it's actually was very sweet because they okay. were defending me. They're like, how can you do that to Varla Jean Merman? Now is the famous person <laughs> Jewish? Uh, no. Oh, I just want to <laughs> ring the bell. So the, the creation of Varla. Now I did learn that you loved Wonder Woman. Oh my God. I was obsessed. And you loved Doris Day. And because, and then you saw her in an ad where she, um, you know, Doris Day, perfect Doris Day was talking about, if you hurt an animal, you're a fucking asshole. Yes. And then I just couldn't believe it because Doris Day was such the sweet lady. And then she, she has a thing. It said, what it was, it hurt animals and I'll kill you. (laughs) I'll fucking kill you. What was it? I can't remember now what but it is. It, yeah, but it was so anti her yes. TV personality. And then I just, I loved her. And then I just loved, you know, that she's an animal rights activist. Right. And, 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 and But I was a huge fan of Carol Burnett. See, when I wanted to do drag. Oh, Carol Burnett was. It was oh, not, was had nothing to do with what my mother feared, that I sexually wanted to dress as a woman. I have absolutely zero sexual connection with drag. I would watch like Mrs. Hooigans with the big butt and the Bob Mackie costumes. And it was, I wanted to wear those and act and have fun. It had nothing to do with sexuality. What is it about dressing as a woman, being a man? Because I I find it so odd Mm -hmm. that it's so, you know, people find it so beautiful and entertaining when a man dresses as a woman. Right. But when there's a drag king, it's a woman dressing as a guy. It's it's a much harder sell. Yeah. And what do you think that is? You know, it's so much easier to gild the lily than to strip it away. So to be a man, even though there are men that are very, you know, like Liberace or even Elvis that are Mm -hmm. more put upon i mean it's so much easier to dress up like a woman it's just I, I, and i just I, I think that women are less threatening like the oh i think you're I right did, too i did shakespeare in the park and it was an all-female taming of the shrew and i played um uh what's his name okay and my character was based on it was 2016 was based on trump right and i was just the biggest misogynist you know and it was you know, and all the women who we, we, all the women who are playing male parts in this show, uh, they, we had a, we worked for months with a movement teacher and the director was in her intent was you're not playing a man. You are a man. Right. And we took, um, you know, we took movement classes. We studied, you know, all this stuff so that we really were, and we, we got amazing reviews, but 
some of the male reviewers were like, oh, they're trying. They were so, uh, I don't know what to say. They were defensive. They were, uh, they felt attacked. Like they couldn't look at themselves. Right. But women, I find, I loved, I have loved, I mean, I love gay men. I don't know what the, I am, I'm like a lesbian who loves gay men, <laughs> but it's, it's just, it's amazing how the characters in dra- the great, the great drag queens like Charles, like Miss Coco, you know, their drag persona is a real person. Right. Well, that's what, even when. I started, I thought I, when I came to Provincetown, I would never be seen out of drag. No one knew who I was. I, you know how I first marketed myself. I wanted people to believe that Varla was a real person where you could see her going to the grocery store like that. So you convince somebody that you see them at home dressed like that. Right. So it was never too clowny and never, I mean, enough where you could see a woman doing that. And I would just go to fine restaurants When I first as got Varla. here, as Varla, and sit down like I remember Chester's and the other places. Oh, remember? And I Chester's? would just sit there by yeah. myself and act like I was some lady going to dinner, and it really worked. People really were convinced that I was a character, not a drag queen. I mean, it just really worked for, to make people believe that I lived that way. You know? Do you do you think you got from from doing that, from putting Varla in the real mm-hmm. world? Do you think you got any insight? about what it's like to be female in. Oh yeah. I mean, I I can't say I completely understand (laughs) obviously in many, you know, just even, um, you know, a woman's right to choose. I totally, it's a woman's right to choose. I have, I have an opinion, but you know, I just, it's not, it's it's not my business. I mean, I, but there's so many things about women, you know, and women are allowed to be so many more things than men are allowed to be, you know. Yeah, if, but if a, men make a lot make oh, of more course, money. And of are course, there. but I'm saying right. as a character. Oh, absolutely. There's so many, there's so many options, dimensions. Yeah, So many dimensions, you know. I mean, for me to be such a giant man and just to try to convince myself in my head that I'm like the size of Ariana Grande holding my hands and, and you know, there's just hand placement for a woman. Men can't do anything anything with their hands except point and you know women can do i mean I, I, there's just okay, so but many you're things. talking about like i'm a man yes <laughs> like i am i often you know i got so teased and i remember seeing a video of myself in the marching band and i was like no wonder they tease me you know? oh no and i you know i you know in high school six three i was right. i'm the size of like I still, I'm the size right. of like a football player, like a male We're athlete. Same size. All right. <laughs> and it's, I mean, I get treated differently because of my size. Right, yes. But I still, yeah, I, I think I have a, a semi-different experience because of my size. Oh, totally. You have to have a totally different. I mean, you know, but I was developing a character that I could create in any way I wanted, you know. and, and How uh, did you, so you knew, how did you know that you wanted to, to be this, I mean, it's just so fascinating because, you know, an actor plays different roles. A comedian is themselves. You're a comedian in a way, you know, you, your show, I mean, your show is all of your shows are so well thought out and brilliant. It's, it's, it's beyond, you know, Oh, let's watch this drag queen act like so-and-so and sing a song. It's, it's, it is a work of art, each one of your shows. And so 
you you started with Varla. How? Like, first of all, well, at you, the time, all Varla drag was born, and yes. the, and she has become, in a way, I mean, as as with a comedian, your life changes, your life experiences change, your material changes. Yes. And Varla, I mean, this last show really hit me so hard. I want to talk about that at the end, but it's like she still believes she's a young beauty, right? <laughs> Which is a big thing in Los Angeles. Like women, like, you know, I just find that any showbiz person has some of these traits. But when I first started with the character, I was just doing shock value drag, kind of like divine. And, but I knew it wasn't right for me. I just knew I would even watch videos of me think that's not right. What I'm not, it's I'm a, not yeah. a shock value person. I'm not. It's like and, doing hacky jokes. Yeah. Like, I just, yeah. it didn't work. And then something clicked where I was doing these plays with Kevin Maloney in, in New York City, and he would do these things called Fractured Classics. And we would take a, with the Tweed Theater Company, which mm-hmm. is just such a great theater company when I moved to New York. He's the first person that cast me. He cast me as um, Honey in, uh, uh, in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Which the whole thing, I'm telling you, him casting me as that really shaped who I was because Nick and Honey, you know, it was played by Sandra, Sandy Dennis, right, mm-hmm. in the movie. And she was just very mousy. And that's the whole thing. They talk about how mousy she is and how, well, and, and I also was, you know, I weighed 300 pounds mm-hmm. at the time. And then they cast Shelly Mars as wow. Nick. Who, you know, was the, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And it really shaped me as an actor because I had to get the laughs by being so subtle and demure and, and mousy. And, and so it really- And not in your face. Yes, your face. not in your face. And I got more laughs doing that than I ever got on stage, you know, saying fuck you, fuck you, and, you know, making out with a cow tongue, which I did for a while. <laughs> no, I literally would go to a bar with a cow tongue in my handbag. <laughs> And they were so expensive. I'd get it Western beef and I'd put it back in the freezer and then let it thaw the next time I need to use it. But I would get so much more laughs that way. Like people responded to this big giant man being very demure and, and, and tiny. Because there's nuance. Yes. And, and it's, you, yeah. It, but him casting me that really then I started to play that character. Honey, a little bit became part of Varla. And Varla really took a while to to develop when, as I first started. Like, you know, Nora Burns. Uh, just I post- love Nora I Burns. I love Nora Burns. I just saw her show the other day, my, David's best I friend. I love her. She posted a video of me and it's just like, who is this person? Because I had just moved to New York, but I had to figure out Varla. It took years to figure out that she was quiet, although, you know, a good time girl, but it was more the subtlety of that. And then when Richard Day wrote Girls Will Be Girls, he wrote our characters very well into Girls Will Be Girls. And then I saw who my character was even more. I saw that he he took who he thought I was and put it in. I'm like, oh my God, that is who I am. I had never thought about who is Varlet. You know, it's not like an actor's course. Right. You're just performing in drag and you slowly develop a character. I mean, but then it was so clear to me who I was. <laughs> But that's when everything yeah. sort of clicked late nineties. Right. So you know, so and Varla is the daughter of Ernest Borgnine, Ernest and Borgnine, Eth- Ethel, Ethel Merman, Merman Varla you know, Jean because Merman. in Ethel Merman's autobiography, she says, "My marriage to Ernest Borgnine is a big chapter," and you turn the page and it's blank. <laughs> <laughs> Which had to be great for the publisher to you know say, "Okay, we're going to do this. Yes, we'll waste a page." And I just, it's supposed to be, you know, Varlet thinks that that's who she is. And she ended up because, you know, Ethel Merman didn't want any, you know, 
remembrance of her marriage that she just shipped the child off to a, an orphanage in Louisiana. So Such that's a who great Farla, backstory. Who thought she was. Now nobody knows who any of those people are, so I never even talk about it. So sad. <laughs> it know. is so yeah. fucking But for a while, sad. people found that so funny. I mean, you know. Oh, I it's just, hilarious. Yeah, at the time, so. I think you could still yeah, do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I've mentioned it every You could do it at our show in Boston because yes. you'll have all the old Jews there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so- <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. That's right. Thank you. See? So, so you did Girls Will Be Girls. Yes, which was a big one. I mean, that just, and we were in this film, and let me tell you, Jack Plotnick, Coco Peru, just unbelievable actors. And I had never done real television, real movies. And then you're like, oh my God, like they're doing it exactly the same way every time. It's a total different style. Like I had to learn with these two great pros and learn what the, I would just watch Jack Plotnick and I'd see, oh my God, he's picking up the glass every time. And I asked him, he goes, you need to do this for the editor. You know, I was like, what? You know, I had no idea. Yeah, it's so people, I, that's why I love live theater. Oh, Cause it's in the moment. Yeah. You don't have to worry about any of that, but I love Jack, such a great comic I actor. Know. And I learned so much from, and I knew him from Seth. And so <laughs> <laughs> now we're getting somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Notice how Varla gets into big show business yeah. and the bell starts ringing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and so I just learned so much with them on that movie and, um, it was a great, a great experience. Then you did Varla oh, people, oh. but people would, I, I would, we filmed that movie and it was at, you know, Sundance. And I think right. Anna Wintour walked out at the abortion scene. No way. Yeah. I think we remember. Was she wearing glasses? <laughs> Sunglasses? Yeah. She was, I think. <laughs> and we went to Sundance and nobody cared about us. And we felt like we were in drag and no one could care less right. about drag. In, in 2003. Oh, yeah. No one wanted to be anywhere around. We were freaks. Okay, now look at drag. It is uh, just it's, I so know. crazy. It's so beyond. We we wouldn't get led into parties. I remember me and Miss Coco, we would try to go to every party. Up. And they had us in drag every second to try Ugh. to get, you know, attention to the movie. And we would have to beg to get invited into parties. I mean, it was just so... It's such a different time. I know. And so we would do whatever it took though. And then I remember people coming to my show saying, we saw your movie. We were the only one in the audience. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that? And then about a year later, I remember I was in Provincetown. I was having Joe's coffee, the old Joe's coffee. And I someone that, Joe's coffee. drove up in a car yes. and said, take these for the ride, you huge cow. And threw a handful of candy at me. And I'm like, how rude. But then I realized, oh my God. That's from Girls Will Be Girls. Oh. And then after that, it became a cult film and people were watching it, like having parties and watching it constantly. And it really, I mean, formed like drag queens like uh, Jinx Monsoon and and, 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 and Ben De La Creme, they started to, um, that was one of the movies they watched as kids. Right. They would watch it as kids from Blockbuster. Right. And how it uh, formed and it, their it, drag. I and mean, so it's really interesting. I mean, it was a big movie. I'm so fortunate that's, to have been I that. know. That, 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 For drag, a, especially someone in drag, it really formed. Do you, do you ever meet any drag queens today, newer drag mm -hmm. queens who have never seen that film? No, I think they've all yes. seen it. Okay. Don't forget to tune in next week to Just Kill Me Now. Um, or, just kill me. Oh. Don't forget to turn... Uh.
For part two on Just Kill Me. No, it's not. It's <laughs> just, just Kill Me. Now. No, Judy Gold's Just Kill Me. Just Kill Me Now. Just Kill Me Now. <laughs>